We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. So it's time to find out how the 2021 Detroit Tigers will do. Today on the show, we've got Dave Peake from Michigan, a lifetime Detroit Tigers fan who's witnessed a couple of World Series wins for the Tigers. He'll go through some of the history of his supporting the Tigers, uh, some World Series stories, and we'll have a wee chat about how the Tigers will do this year as well. It's a great listen. Enjoy Dave's company, and we hope you enjoy it as well. Hi, David. Uh, hi. Right, we've got three Davids on the call. Um, <laughs> I'll be number three. How's that? <laughs> I'm calling you Detroit, Dave. Fair enough. That works. That works. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Good, All right. thanks. Yeah, we're really good, good, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. So, quick introductions, but I can do that. But you, I'll, I'll point to where somebody is in a screen, but they'll not be in the same screen as you Dave so it's <laughs> so Richard's a guy with the headphones he's the only name you really need to remember uh, was that right <laughs> because the other ones are if, if you forget David or Dave you're struggling <laughs> okay so the chap with the the grey beard Dave Ince Yorkshire Dave so he's from Yorkshire northeast of England Boston Red Sox fan uh, and he's got his Ted Williams t-shirt up in the back Richard, I should have said, is a Seattle Mariners fan. To complete the lineup, we have Dave Jr., our captain, Chicago White Sox fan. Well, you should be set up pretty good for this year. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. Although I've watched the last couple of nights of spring training. Do you know, it's been great to watch some baseball again. I don't know if you've caught up with any of it, David. Yes, yeah, I mean, the White Sox, I'm really excited about the, the team going forward i'd be excited regardless <laughs> i haven't been able to watch any baseball but i watch it on online as much as i can tigers are playing right now they are again yeah not for long playing the pirates uh, the pirates are they were pretty bad last year yeah. <laughs> so this might this could be a win is this a basement battle with the, is that how you it is a battle of the basement <laughs> cellar dwellers as we used to call them so you, you you had your second COVID vaccine as well today, Dave. I did. That so went far, well. so good. Actually, so, I just am in the similar sort of uh, age demographic as your good self, Dave. And uh, I got my notification through the post yesterday about a first vaccination. I applied online and the nearest place I could do it was this will probably mean that more to the other guys is uh, Ellen Road Football Stadium, which is where my hometown team, Leeds United, plays. So part of that area has been designated as a vaccination centre. So yeah, I'll be alone there, probably wear something discreet. <laughs> <laughs> How far away is that from your home? It's actually 15 miles. I used to oh, live that's in not bad. No, it's, no, it's okay. It'd be less than an hour. 
it will get us out of the house. <laughs> That'll be the longest journey we've done for, uh, for about, you know, six months. Or well, I got my shot. My wife and I got our shots today in a livestock pavilion at, at Michigan State University. The, 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 the joke was that they would uh, administer the vaccine on horseback, but they, <laughs> they, they didn't. They actually walked in. Sounds a bit like a real life bullpen. Kind of an interesting uh, vaccination site. Done, done and dusted, so well done. There won't be too many current day Tigers fans who witnessed two World Series in their lifetime, we're guessing. Right. What was there, 16 years between them? And there's now coming up to 35 years since the last one, 36, 37 right. years. 68 was, there was, well, the one prior to that was 1945. So it was 23 years break back then. And then, like you said, there was 16 years after that. And now it's been a long, dr- long drought. We've well, been to the World Series a few times, mm-hmm. a couple of times, but never made it, uh, you know, never won the World Series. How, how well do you remember 1968? And was it a season where you had an expectation that the Tigers might do well? Yeah, absolutely. Because the last the last game they lost. They lost to the Boston Red Sox, or they lost to the California Angels at the, on the last game of the 1967 series. So they finished one game behind the Boston Red Sox for the World Series uh, to get to the World Series. There wasn't wild cards, and there was only the two leagues, the National League and the American League. So after you won the American League pennant, you went right to the World Series. They could finish the World Series in October and not November. So yeah, that was a huge deal back in 1968. And that was the last year that there were just the two leagues, American League and National League. After that, they broke it up into divisions within the National League and uh, American League. I forget how many teams were in each league back in 1968. It seems like eight, maybe. Was that the beginning of the sort of expansion when they moved the divisions within leagues? 1969 was the first year that they had i'm not sure i think it was like american league east and american league west back then of course now they've got central my memory is over that um detroit tigers used to play in the same division as the red Sox, the east is that right probably up until the late 90s or yeah because if they divided it up into the west and the east i'm guessing the tigers would have been in the east division with the Red Sox and the Yankees, Cleveland, and other teams like that. Just looking at that 1968 World Series there, I I hadn't noticed before, but the the Tigers were actually down 3-1 in the series and came back. That was a real kind of comeback World Series, that one. That was an exciting World Series. The St. Louis Cardinals from the National League, I mean, they had an excellent team and everyone all the sports writers just figured that they were going to win the World Series. And when they went up three games to one, why it, it looked like they were going to finish us off. Didn't work out that way. An, an incredible turnaround as well there, Dave, because I see it in the fourth game, the fourth and fifth game were both at Tiger Stadium. But the Tigers could beat 10-1, fourth game, and then turned it around. And then they turned it around. Yeah, they got beat up pretty badly in that fourth game and the fifth game was amazing it was the tigers threw out lou brock at the plate on that, that that's what turned around the world series actually uh, that that one play it was amazing and then they won the sixth game and then the seventh game in st louis 
Do you want to explain a wee bit more about that one play involving Lou Brock, Dave, just for us novices to the game? Explain explain what happened there a wee bit more. I'm trying to remember what the score was at the time, but Lou Brock, he was their best player. They had a lot of good players, but he was their fastest player. He hit leadoff. He was on second base. Pretty sure there was two out. Whoever was the batter hit line drive to the outfield in left field. And of course, he took off at the crack of the bat. Left fielder, Willie Horton, I think he took the ball on one hop and threw to home plate. And Lou Brock, the big thing there is if he had slid into home plate, he probably would have been safe. Okay. He stood up at home plate. The catcher at the time, who was uh, Bill Freehand, he caught the ball, tagged, blocked the plate like you're supposed to, and tagged out Lou Brock to end the inning. Brilliant. It was an incredible play. You know, you, you, they, they showed the camera on home plate, and Lou Brock's foot missed home plate by about that, that much. If he had slid, it probably would have scored easily, but he didn't. He decided to stand up. And after that, the next inning, the Tigers, half of the seventh inning, they, they scored two or three runs to put them ahead of St. Louis. From that point forward, Detroit won the remaining games. It was yeah. really, And that was the first time, I think, that any team has come back from being down By three two. games to one. It's amazing, isn't it, how just one play in one innings, one game can turn the momentum in a whole series? You bet. Everyone will agree that, that that play turned around the series. I mean, it's fascinating over a seven-game series how, how pivotal one moment like that is. So I was trying to look at football, soccer, and think, if, if you're getting tanked, what sort of incident would happen in a game that's actually going to change it as potentially as dramatically as that? It's, it's probably a red card. It, it, yeah, this actually turned around the series. Yeah, it, it was really exciting to hear. That was in the day when not all games were televised. This one was, but I was in school at the time. I had to listen to the game on a transistor radio. (laughs) (laughs) It probably would have been played during the day. Right. There was no night games. That's another thing that's changed since those days. I'm loving that every generation finds a way of listening to something they need to during school hours. I know. Did you have a favorite player? Oh, I'm trying to think. Well, the, the best player on the team was pitcher Denny McLean. Uh, he won uh, 31 ball games that year, and no other players, uh, no other pitchers won even close to that since. I, I don't think you'll ever see a 30 game winner. The pitching is totally different now than what it was then. Yeah, anything over 20 game win these days is seen. Right. As, uh, That's a big deal. Yeah. 1968 was a tough year and a strange year in Detroit as well. Dave, do you have recollections of of that and how obviously it had an impact on the city, but in the context of baseball? It did. Uh, 1967, the year before, there were race riots in Detroit. Several people were, were killed and the city was still reeling from that in 1968. And so this was, you know, they kind of brought the city together. A yeah. lot. The Tigers did just by uh, winning. That helped to heal a lot of wounds in the city. Good. And then a relatively short spell then to 1984, 16 years to pick up a second World Series in, in baseball terms. That's not a long period, but do you, presumably you've got fresher memories or 
different yeah. memories that year? Different, different memories uh, from that. You know, they had their share of good pitching, Tigers did. And they brought along that you could see the, the team was coming along years before that when they brought a lot of the younger players up 1983 and they got some experience. And then by 1984, they were a better team. And they started out the year 1984. They were they won 35 of their first 40 games. Right. That, that was huge. They kind of tailed off at the second half of the season, but the first half of the season, I mean, no one was even close to them. And it was a combination of good pitching, good hitting, and good defense. It was a pretty well-rounded team. I was going to ask, Dave, Dave who would have won uh, a series between the 1984 Detroit Tigers and the 1968 Detroit Tigers? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, the 68 Tigers, they had, I think their pitching was better. Denny McLean, I'm trying to remember, uh, Mickey Lolich was their number two pitcher behind Denny McLean. He, he was no slouch. Back then, they didn't, 1968, they didn't have closers like they have now, relief pitchers. It was just that you had most starting pitchers were expected to complete the game, you know, complete nine innings or whatever. That yeah. That's unheard of these days. 1984. They had a definite closer. Uh, his name was Willie Hernandez, and he was he won the MVP that year as well as the Cy Young. And so he was he was amazing. They had Kirk Gibson in 1984. He was kind of a hometown folk hero almost. Yeah, I, I, I just I think the '84 team actually would have been beaten the 1968 team. It sounds like it would have been a great a great matchup though. Mm. <laughs> that would have. I think they were better. They were better defensively. They had Lou Whitaker, uh, second base, and and Alan Trammell at shortstop. And the outfield was excellent in 1984. Do you remember much of the World Series that year? Oh, I do. Yeah, I mean that was. They didn't have wild card teams, but they had. They still had three divisions: the American League East, West, and Central. And the Tigers played the Kansas City Royals in the first bracket. And it was only a five-game series, not a seven-game series. And so they beat Kansas City fairly easily. I think they lost one game out of the – I think they won three games to one, if I'm not mistaken. Kansas City had a good team, too, not, 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 not as good as Detroit. And were the Tigers the kind of favorites going into the World Series that year? Would they have been expected to win? They were. Yeah, I think they won – but, you know, I told you they started out – really hot and they ended up winning like 104 games that year so they won a lot of games in fact i'm not so sure how if there was three divisions or two divisions back then i don't remember them playing more than two series in the american league so i'd have to i'd have to look on look at that kansas they beat kansas city and i think that was to get to the world series so there must have been an al east and al west obviously you can't talk about Tigers pitchers talking about Denny McLean and obviously a, a legendary baseball player and one of the best ever, but off the field, quite a controversial character. Yes, he was. <laughs> how, how is he remembered in Detroit and by Tigers fans? They fondly for his baseball. Yeah, unfortunately, I think some of his off the field activities overshadowed his on the field activities. 
I know there was one year, I, it wasn't 1968, it might have been 69. Denny McLean tied for the Cy Young Award that year with one other pitcher from Baltimore, I think. He was elected uh, that year, he was elected to go to the, uh, uh, the American League, uh, the All-Star Game. I'm not sure if he was a starting pitcher or what, whatever. He was elected to the team. So he decided to hire a private plane to take him to the All-Star Game which is not unusual, I guess. Denny McLean had this side business and he was an organist and he would play at different venues in Detroit, earning some extra money, okay? He decided to play at this one venue the night before the All-Star game. So he didn't get to the All-Star game until like the day of the game. And it was just a a real media nightmare (laughs) for him. (laughs) And Scottish, one that Scottish. he never let, let, let live down. We've, so we've never had any not. Scottish footballers have frequented a, <laughs> right. an entertainment establishment the night before a game, I don't think. No, it's the very idea, Alan, the very idea. <laughs> but, I mean, back, back in the 50s, that used to happen a lot. Back <laughs> in the 60s, and that didn't happen that often. Can you remember your first game at Tiger Stadium, Dave, the first game you attended? Oh, man. I probably can't, but I can remember one I did attend, and it was probably after 1968. You, you, you could, a couple friends and I went to the stadium on a Saturday afternoon, and you could get bleacher tickets for 50 cents, and you'd be way in the back. I mean, I mean almost as far back as you could go, <laughs> and the seats weren't very good. They were benches, not seats. But for 50 cents, we, we hopped on a bus and went downtown Detroit to Tiger, old Tiger Stadium, watched a game. In fact, it probably was the 1969 season opener because, right. I mean, they filled the stadium after winning the World Series in 1968. So we could still get bleacher seats for the season opener in 1969. Right. You couldn't do that today. If Tigers won a World Series, you couldn't get, it'd be hard, hard to get a seat the following season on opening game but we did sat so far away but yeah i remember going and that was a pretty big deal i also remember for my boston red sox fan (laughs) (laughs) play we went to the last game of the season trying to remember what year it would be probably like 1972 Went to the last game of the season. We had to, or last series of the season, we had to beat the Red Sox two out of three games to go to the probably was wouldn't be the wild card because they don't have wild they didn't have wild card teams back then. But to go to the championship series, maybe they called it. We beat the Red Sox one of the last two games of the the year to go to the make it to the championship series. I think I actually got down on the field. After that game ended, I mean, the fans went wild. Carl Yastrzemski was in left field that year. It was one of his, probably one of his last seasons, and he was their best player. Yorkshire Dave has actually been to Tiger Stadium. Uh, oh, yeah. Back back in the 90s? Yeah, it was the last season that they played there, and I just got interested in baseball a couple of years before, and I heard that there were, it, just as I got interested in it, they were tearing down all the old ballparks and you know, I persuaded my wife it'd be a good idea to go to America for a holiday and uh, go to a few. <laughs> so, so you, you actually made it to the old Tiger Stadium. Yeah, 
we were talking about it last week and I still think that's probably I've been to a lot of sports stadiums all over the world for different sports and that is a standout it was I sat in the bleachers as well actually although uh, we did get to sit in other parts of the stadium it was against the Yankees and it was a rain affected game so by the end of the game a lot of people had left you were able to move around the stadium and basically sit right. where you wanted so we got to sit in a lot of different places behind home plate Ooh. first place third place that was a special special place it obviously was old and needed a bit of love and care it did. wow it was fantastic i still yep, feel yep. sad that it's not there anymore they've kept a portion of the field oh, in they? downtown in downtown detroit they call it the old ballpark so they've got the bases and home plate, and they still the city, city still owns owns that field. Oh, really? And young kids play on it, and yeah. they have fundraisers there. Oh, that's good. Yeah, cool. it sure is. Yeah, and there's still plenty of footage of the old stadium, and who knows with technology one day, I can imagine that there'll be some kind of I don't know decades to come. You'll be able to sort of relive a game in there in some kind oh, probably so. of weird hologram way. <laughs> I don't think the Mariners will win a World Series by then, no, Dave Vince. I think it'll take more than virtual reality for the Mariners to win a Series, I think. <laughs> you never know. I was going to ask, what's Comerica Park like, Dave, then? I know, obviously, Tiger Stadium was a bit a big loss and a really historic stadium, but what's, what's your new home like? Well, the, the fight lines are better. There's no... No big structural columns in the way. I think it's a. I think it's a nice stadium. I, I think it's a great stadium. Uh, it doesn't have the the feel of uh, Fenway Park, uh, Wrigley Field, the old stadiums like that. They don't. Have, it doesn't have that feel. As far as watching a baseball game, there, it's it's excellent. Whereabouts is it located, Dave, within the city itself? You know, it it, it is located right downtown. Tiger Stadium, really. What I mean. More to the city center, Tiger Stadium was as you're kind of leaving downtown, but not too far. America Park is right down. All the sports stadiums are down there now. The uh, the Lions, Detroit Lions, Ford Field is right directly across the street from it. The hockey team, the the, the Detroit Red Wings, their field, Little Caesars Arena, is just down the road a little bit. So they brought all the four major sports back to downtown Detroit. And the 2021 Detroit Tigers, Dave, what's your thoughts or expectations or no expectations? I don't have a lot of expectations. I'd like to see them, you know, play better than they did in, in 2020. 2020 was such a, it was such a different season for a lot of different reasons, but yeah. you got to see a lot of the younger players that they drafted high play probably sooner than they would have normally played in the major leagues, like Casey Mize, their, their number one draft pick from a couple of years ago. Tarek Skubal, another one of their high-ranking pitchers, played last year. And now those players, they would have definitely been in the, uh, the minor leagues, the farm system, as we call it, had it not been for the, the pandemic. But they got brought up a little bit sooner than they probably would have. So this year, they've got some major league games under their belt. They'll probably start out in the major leagues, Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. 
but there's some other high, highly ranked players like the number one draft pick from the 2020 draft, Spencer Torkelson. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's the real deal. In fact, he's the number one player right now in, in the minor league system. So, and, and then there's another player for the, uh, that's probably, he's pretty, he's younger. He's at 20 years old. His name is Riley Green. He's probably going to start out minor leagues. He's an outfielder and he's amazing. He's playing in the spring games right now. He'll make it up to the major leagues within probably within a year, probably not this season, but probably next season. Same with Torkelson. He'll probably make it up to the major leagues uh, next season. As long as the minor leagues teams are able to play this year and, yeah. and help groom those players, get them some more experience. The Tigers have had a few top draft picks in recent years. Uh, oh, they have. Which obviously is a consequence of their, their play. The way you talk there gives you a little bit of excitement and hope that maybe in two or three years' time, three, four or five years' time, you've got some really good talent coming through that can form the backbone of a, a team that maybe in a few years might start to challenge. Exactly. Uh, hopefully sooner than five years. Yeah. Hopefully more like two years. Be like the Chicago White Sox. They traded some of their good players here about three years ago and got some high draft picks themselves in return. And now those players are coming up like they did last year. Last season, they were awesome. The White Sox were. They didn't do too well once they made it in the, the championship series. They're still a good team. They, they, they were awesome. They kicked our butts all season long. Dave, Dave Jr. pointed that out to me a few times during the season. <laughs> we, we seem to do really quite well against the Tigers and the Royals. Uh, I think we had a, a tremendous record. You know, we didn't start the season off too well uh, against the likes of the Twins and the Indians, but I think we're finding our feet as a team. Uh, again, you make, I would say this, David, but you make some fantastic points. There's been a whole lot of potential building in that team. I'm sure that you need an element of luck to help you through as well. But those players and, uh, you know, Ricky's not there any longer to coach them, but right. I think they've had a good coaching team that's really helped them get to this point. And you've got, you know, Tony there now, uh, an experienced I mean, kind of Mr. Baseball type figure. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's a powerful, strong lineup. And there's still, there's a good amount of depth still there. It's not a perfect team just yet. There's still a lot of work to do. Like you said, the playoffs, a bit disappointing. Came up against a really strong A's team, or a really capable, good A's team, as, as they always seem to be. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting team. They're projected to, to win the American League Central Division. Them and the Minnesota Twins are probably pretty close. I actually felt, just going back to Alan's point there, I, th- I thought last season, I can't remember if we were 9-1, Against the Tigers, possibly. You mean we actually won a game? I didn't think we won any game. <laughs> I, I thought I thought a lot of the games were really close in the Tigers. I remember one point, I can't remember if the Tigers had a bit of a slide towards the end of the season, but for a while, I thought the Tigers were really doing better than, than what seemed to be expectations at that point. And I'm not sure if it just sort of fell apart a little bit. I think there's a good basis of a good young side there. I think so, too. I think it's going to come down to pitching, honestly. Same with the White Sox. I, I think it's going to, how their pitching does, will carry the team. They've got the position players, the outfielders, the infielders to certainly do a lot of damage batting. I think it's going to come down to pitching. 
I can't remember if they picked up any new pitchers from last. Do you know? The White Sox. Yeah. They picked up uh, Lance from Texas Rangers. So again, he's he's probably going to come in third in the rotation. So there's a little bit of chat about kind of fourth and fifth pitchers when you're looking looking at because you get Giolito who had a, an, an outstanding year, Dallas Keitchell in uh, in second, yeah. uh, and Lance Lynn coming in at, at third. But again, it's I think it's three really strong strong front three. And you know you had people trying to play fantasy baseball a bit, and they wanted the White Sox to go out and buy, uh, so bring in. Um, kind of Trevor Bauer type of oh, type of move. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's there's some other guys that are pretty pretty strong to fill out those fourth and fifth places. There's a really strong bullpen. Uh, we've added Liam Hendricks as a really great reliever who kicked our butts for the A's during the playoffs. So it's a really good, interesting lineup there. Yeah, I, I agree. Them in Minnesota, they picked up some players too. Even Kansas City picked up some players and uh, that I thought they couldn't afford. Oh, the Tigers are, are going to have a tough time. They're going to be looking up <laughs> the, whole time, <laughs> the whole season at the rest of the teams. But who knows? It's like you said earlier. You know, I know the White Sox, they aren't a, a great example yet because they've not won anything. Going by the White Sox blueprint, those couple of years of being in real rebuild mode, it's a nice local example to, to have and if if the Tigers fans if it's been a lean couple of years that you can just look not too far away and see your own guys right. really working the way through the system and you know there's good times ahead I think it'd be really really quite I think so I, I think so tell me Dave Daz Cameron and we, we obviously within the bullpen here we've got some personal interest in Daz Cameron he's he's obviously part of the family <laughs> uh, he made his debut in the majors last year. Struggled his first few games, but then seemed to start getting a few hits and RBIs, and I think a pretty good record in, in the outfield as well. Can we expect to see? Is 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 that similar to what you're talking about the, the young pitchers there? Can we expect to see much of him in 2021? Probably not up at the major league level. Right. I'm, I'm sure. He, in fact. I'm trying to remember if I read where he was going to start the season, whether it was in double A ball yeah. or triple A. So what's I don't know. I suppose in a way it's maybe not dissimilar to soccer that the end of a season, the manager will blood a young player, see how he gets on, gives him a bit of experience. That's effectively what's happened there. It's a shortened season. The Tigers are going nowhere. We expect this guy to be in our team in two or three years' time. So actually give him a game just now? Yeah, exactly. We might see him at the end of this season. Uh, you know, I, I think yeah. you and I talked about after September 1st, and I don't know if it's going to happen this year, they're able to expand their roster. And I don't know how they're how much they're going to be able to expand it this year because the rules are still a pandemic. It, 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 the rules are a little bit different this year than what it used to be in the past where you could bring up 10 or 15 additional players from the farm system just to kind of give them a little bit of experience. I suppose that's one thing that's different for us then as football fans because the football team has a squad that anyone can get called in at any time unless they're out on loan, whereas here we know for certain that he'll be playing double A or whatever. You don't look at the team sheet every morning to see if he's playing because you know he's not going to be. Right, exactly. This year is going to be different, though. I think they're 
They're going to keep a certain number of players, they call it, in the taxi squad. It's like a pool of players where if, if a player at the major league level gets hurt, they can easily take a player from the taxi squad, bring them to Detroit, yeah. and insert them into the lineup without any penalty or something like that. It wasn't always like, so this will be different. The subject of things that are different, Dave, what did you make of the rule changes that were introduced last season, you know, change to the designated hitter, etc. Did you like those rule changes or are you a traditionalist? I like the designated hitter. I, I, I guess I, in that way, I'm not a traditionalist. Pitchers that bat, you know they're either going to strike out or bunt for a sacrifice. <laughs> you know, it's about the only thing that they would do typically. I was surprised that they weren't going to enforce the designated hitter in the National League this year. I thought that would have been a an upgrade. And then the, the whole, what do they call it, extra innings, where they start a runner at second base and try to bring them home, that rather than the old way. I thought that was kind of, I thought it was kind of fun. I thought it was kind of interesting. I think baseball needs to do something like that to bring interest, fan interest. You know, you got to admit the, the games can be boring. They're long. <laughs> There's a lot of down, a lot of downtime. Uh, anything they could do to to speed the game along, provide a little bit more interest, that, that'd be a added commodity to the game. How does baseball, I mean, we, we see baseball as America's sport, although in the UK, NFL would be the most popular. How, how does baseball rank amongst the four big sports then? Well, I think the fact that it's the season is long and it's played in the summertime when the weather is really pretty good and it starts in the spring down in Florida or Arizona where the weather is beginning to get warm I think that's why people like baseball I know that's why I like it it's uh, you know watching a game at Comerica Park without having to put on a heavy jacket and a stocking cap and it's a little bit more interesting to watch but all the other sports have their fan favorites too I enjoy watching college football more than professional football. You're a Michigan State man, so do you want to tell us a wee bit about Michigan State? Ben, I get maybe to one game a season, but usually someone has to ask me. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have season tickets. What I enjoy doing very much, I, I enjoy fall sports. Football in the fall here in the U.S., that's an exciting time. And I enjoy the tailgating a lot. <laughs> uh, before the game, I, I'd rather do that than watch the game itself, honestly. I, I should say here that I think 50% of my friends on the Untapped app are on this conversation at this point. Oh, really? <laughs> I've just got water, sorry. <laughs> my son said I should open up a bottle of cheap Scotch whiskey port <laughs> while we're sitting here. <laughs> I said, I don't have any. I don't have any scotch down the basement or in my cupboard when i'm allowed over dave i will bring you a bottle of glenord whiskey which is my home distillery in highlands sounds good you won't find it on the shelves of the liquor stores in america okay good to know and Um, michigan state tell us a wee bit i mean we we've talked a few people about rivalries so michigan state and university of michigan that that's the big college rivalry in the state it depends on who you ask. I mean, if you ask University of Michigan fans, their big rival t- rivalry is Ohio State. Okay. But if you ask Michigan State fans, their big rivalry is with University of Michigan. It's only 40 miles away. 
Yeah. So uh, geographically, it's you know very close rivalry when each team is recruiting in-state players to go to their team they might take teammates from one high school team and they might be on different different teams university of michigan and michigan state university there's a lot of in-state rivalry among even among the players but as spectators you know from a michigan state standpoint right the the big rivalry was always with university of michigan and for our listeners, particularly in the west of Scotland, it's probably worth knowing that Michigan State colours are green and white, while University of Michigan colours are blue. So that will have a bit of resonance with people local to us. Your, your team is, is is it the Rangers? Yeah, See, I've been doing a little bit of homework here this morning. Brilliant. Did you check <laughs> the league table? <laughs> trying to, you know, now I know what teams are in the Scottish League, the Rangers. What's 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 the your rivalry? Celtics. That's that's Richard's team. Oh, gotcha. All right. He's the one not smiling. He's (laughs) Celtic and Mariners, so he's just a mania luck. (laughs) Dave Vince, Hibs fan. Where are Hibs in the league just now? In fourth place. Fourth, uh, yeah. Doing pretty well, actually. So is it pronounced Celtics or Celtics? It's Celtic. Celtic without the S at the end, Dave. Okay. Oh, I see it. I'm looking at my list right here. Yeah. <laughs> no, a lot of people always think Celtics because like the Boston Celtics. Boston, yeah, Boston yeah, Celtics. It doesn't have the S. And it doesn't have the trophy this year either, I don't think, the way things are going. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, some of these other teams I'm looking at. Aberdeen, Premier League. Yeah, they're probably the last 20 years or so, 20, 30 years, they've been the third the third force. Although there'll be people cursing me saying that because they'll be talking about missing five years. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hibs and Hearts. Hearts aren't in the top league just now. Hibs and Hearts, the two big teams in Edinburgh. That would be the next big rivalry in Scotland then as well. Okay. Hibs in the 50s, early 60s had a great team. Are these all, these aren't cities, are they? Like Aberdeen. That's a city, is that a city, right? Yeah. Aberdeen's a city. And I suppose Motherwell is towns. I mean, bizarrely, my hometown team who played what you would call minor league football 30 years ago at Ross County are now in that Premiership League as well, albeit they're near the bottom. So I, I have an odd situation there. That would be like the the Erie Sea Wolves or something getting promoted into the major leagues and then challenging. It's just not going to happen in your franchise system, but the way the way our systems worked, it, it was allowed to happen. Okay, that's, okay. A, that's a that's a big difference, I think, Dave. That in, in football, teams can get relegated. So they, if they finish bottom of the whole system, they drop out. And a team comes in and takes their place from the next level down, if you like. So I know baseball doesn't work like that, but I wondered what, what that would be like if the team with the worst record in a season dropped out and, and who would come in then? Would that be a double-A <laughs> team? That would be interesting. I don't, I don't know how that would work, honestly, but what happens in, in, in Major League Baseball if the team is so bad that they don't draw fans they don't draw money into the team. Uh, that's a possibility that they could drop out, but I haven't seen that happen. Not really. Where would the Tigers be? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They haven't drawn a lot of fans for the last few years. That's for sure. Easier to get a ticket to see a ball game when they're doing bad. Unfortunately, I've not, I've not, yeah, I've not struggled to get tickets. Yeah, and, and when the that, team is going well, is that part of a wider baseball? 
problem with fans, Dave, or is that specifically the Tigers because not been successful? That's it's all because the Tigers haven't been successful. Yeah. I mean, fans will go out to a team. I mean, they'll go out to see a bad team anyway sometimes, but just to go out and see baseball. But more people will go out to see a winning team. They'll they'll fill the stadium night after night after night. So yeah, I mean, it affects it affects the the team's bottom line, the how much money they bring in. It, it it affects a lot how many how much salary you can play, pay a player yeah, that yeah. that kind of thing that's huge yeah, yeah that's why the teams on the west coast like Los Angeles Dodgers and the Angels not Seattle though teams east coast like Boston and New York Yankees they have huge payrolls they have to draw a lot of fans in order to pay that payroll absolutely and talking about the Red Sox I think our, our Red Sox fan was going to come in with a question. Yeah, Dave, uh, just going back to the Tigers' prospects for 2021, I just wondered that both our teams uh, have new managers, new young managers who have a connection. I just wonder what you think Mr. Hinch will bring to the table at Tigers. Obviously, a young, successful manager, the same as Cora. You know, they were tied up in that controversy. Right. you know, the Red Sox have brought Cora back this uh, this season and the Tigers have, have gone for Mr. Hinch. I'll be interested to know what you think he's going to bring. Well, I'm, I'm very interested in what he's going to do, what A.J. Hinch is going to do this year. You know, he had a pretty young club in Houston here about five years ago, and he brought them along really well. There's a lot of similarities between those two teams. Houston had a lot of young, uh, high draft picks uh, like Alex Bregman and and uh, George Springer and yeah Korea. Their their shorts they were high draft picks. They made it to the major leagues in the, in in just a couple of years, and then they went out and won a won a World Series and they competed at a high level for several years. And I assume they still will this year. And I believe he was part of the reason for that. He's a good baseball manager. And he hired a lot of good coaches this year that work for him. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see how he does. Yeah, I listened to um, Tiger's baseball podcast earlier. And they were saying that he's, I mean, we're saying young. He's 46 years old. He's sort of, uh, that seems young. young enough. As managers are, you see a lot yeah, of 70-year-olds. And we're saying that he has all the modern analytical skills that right. Have, but he also has an old-fashioned feel for the game. So perhaps he has a bit of both skills. Is that important? In I think it's yeah. I mean, if if you're if you don't embrace the analytics side of baseball, you're you're. I don't think you're going to succeed much anymore. But he sounds like he has a blend of both the analytics side and well, he was a former he was a former baseball player. So he understands the game. He was a catcher. It's almost like a manager on the field, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Most of the time. Plus, he was manager. He was a, a catcher for the Tigers for one season. Oh, right. I didn't know that. He yeah. was. Uh, not, a, not much of a season. It was near the tail end of his career. Right. So he has those ties. And he, he's got a lot of ability. And, and he's very knowledgeable about the game, it sounds like to me, at least right now. So we'll find out. He's got a whole brand new 
bunch of players to manage. Go ahead. Presumably, there's no pressure on him to have a winning season straight away. Right. Maybe, as you were saying earlier, next year or the year after would be, after a bit more rebuilding, that would be when you would right. expect him to make a, a big difference. Right. The- He's got, you know, a couple, at least one seasoned player on the team, Miguel Cabrera. So that he will help the, some of the younger players show them yeah. that side of the game. Yeah, you definitely need that. Any sport, you need a bit of a blend of you do youth and ex- you do. experience. Exactly. Thanks. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to how he manages this. Yeah, I this think team. it'll be interesting. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of a soft spot for the Tigers actually after the good experience at Tiger Stadiums. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see them do well. I do too. I, I would like to at least see them play better. Uh, than they did last the last couple seasons show some more fight than what they've shown in the last few seasons just look better on the field you know last year they made a lot of mistakes in the field from inexperience mainly hopefully with a year more of experience they'll be a little bit better in that way too yeah that's yeah, yeah thanks, you bet so hey dave the red sox what do you think about alex cora I mean, I think he's shown promise as a manager. I mean, he got, you know, that, that mess from a couple of years ago with the Astros. So what do you think? Who does the Red Sox have that would make you feel like they will do better than last year? Actually, he's the, he's the one person that I think gives a little bit of hope. I know in his first season as a manager, he was, he was a coach under Hinch at the Astros, wasn't he, when they right. won the, the World Series. And then he went to Red Sox in 18 and as a manager and he won the world series straight away but the following season wasn't so good was it i believe that's not unusual it's hard to follow up a good a good season with another one i'm hopeful that i think a man in any sport a manager is really important and despite the red sox difficulties in the last couple of seasons they've always got good players as you say they have they usually have a big payroll they're usually competitive. <laughs> I think he's the main reason why you might see some improvement next year. They traded another big player, though, didn't they? That another Benintendi. So, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, quite incredible, really. I, I was surprised at that. I thought he was there. I know he had a rough season last year, but a lot of players had a rough season last year that, yeah. that didn't have one before that. But I thought for sure he was going to be a Red Sox for a long time. Yeah, you know, when you think, you know, two two seasons ago, you had both him and well, Mookie, Mookie Betts. A couple of others like Beavers and Bogarts and who was the other one, JD, potentially. But I suppose in some respects, you can't get people paying the, the kind of salary that they were paying to these players. And they had to do something, I think. And still don't quite understand the trades and why why they happened but i think they had to reduce their salary bill didn't they and do a little bit of rebuilding themselves and bring in their own players through the farm system and and other trades so yeah it's a complex game isn't it baseball It, it it really is it is a complex game you know teams Play at a real high level for several years the tigers did this played at a high level for several years and then uh, salaries start getting in the way and and you either have to 
you know, trade the players away to save some money, which the Tigers did, or you have to somehow pay them. And some owners just simply, they don't have the money to, to do that. Some of those West Coast teams, they have huge television contracts. Is that, that help where the pay. money comes from, yeah? Oh, you bet. Uh, the Yankees and the Los Angeles teams, the for Dodgers example. The Dodgers have got deep pockets, haven't they, just now? Huge. And they don't have a salary cap anymore, uh, or they never have in baseball. So like you know, American football teams, they have a salary yeah. cap. There's, a, uh, there's this thing called, if they go above a certain level. It's a lux- luxury it's tax. Luxury tax, that's it, yeah. That's expensive from what I understand. If you go above a certain yeah. threshold, uh, you pay a, a premium in what they call luxury tax. Apparently, it doesn't affect teams like the Yankees or the Los Angeles Dodgers or maybe the Los Angeles Angels, too, because they have these huge television contracts right. to help supplement their income. See, so that uh, doesn't count. The, yeah, I see. Yeah. Teams in smaller markets like Detroit Kansas City, mm. some of those other teams that are in small markets, yeah. they don't have those television contracts. I see. I mean, Detroit has a television contract with Fox Sports. It's not like the contract that they've got in, in Los Angeles, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a big thing in sports, isn't it? It is. It's, uh, it's got to be tough as an owner. You, you can't pay all these players big salaries. So no, some of them you have to trade away. Absolutely. We'll have a quiz question uh, on the Highland bullpen. And obviously we talked about Denny McLean earlier on, the Tigers legend. Now, he made his major league debut against the Chicago White Sox, against Dave Junior's team in 1963 at the tender age of 19. And on his major league debut, he did something very remarkable. Can anybody guess what Denny McLean did on his major league debut? And slug. I, I would say, let's see, do you throw a shutout? Good guess. I don't know. Good guesses. He was a 19-year-old debut. As a starting pitcher, he made his debut. Yeah, did he start? I think he started out. I'll double check, but I think he started. Strikeouts, uh, 20 strikeouts, something like that. Good, no, no, it's another reasonable guess. Dave Jr., you've, you're the last man standing. If you want to take a guess. No idea at all. Hit a home run. Okay. Hit a home run when yeah, as a pitcher starting in your debut to hit a home run, I think it's pretty unusual. Bizarrely, I might not have been too far off. <laughs> I, I bet you see, Alan, for all you for all you thought you were off the mark, you were the closest of them all. But from uh, a complete lack of knowledge, yeah. <laughs> home run. It must have been a good hitter then, because playing in the American League. They would have had a designated hitter, would they? So he wouldn't have had to pitch. No, they wouldn't have had it him. as a pitcher. So he must have been a genuinely good hitter. <laughs> Back in the '60s, there were a lot of pitchers that were good. In fact, the Tigers in 1968, they had a pitcher named Earl Wilson. Uh, he was a starter. He hit like I can't remember it was five or six home runs in that season. It was amazing for a pitcher. He was actually a good. Hitting pitcher, there was, I'm not sure if he ever pinch hit for another player during that season because he was such a good hitter. Pitchers, Mickey Lowlich, he hit a home run in the World Series in 1968. Uh, His his first home run. More all-round baseball players back then. These days, they probably at an early age will concentrate on one particular thing, either pitching or hitting or... Right. So many pitchers uh, specialize these these days. 
But, you know, back then, you know, pitchers could hit, they could run. It was interesting. I suppose you get, these days, people are probably groomed more for particular roles or destined to do a certain thing, whereas in the 50s and 60s, you grew up playing the game and more likely to be an all-rounder or have a bit of skill with a range of different things. So it's interesting. Yeah, right. Dave, it's been brilliant chatting to you. I think we could go on forever. (laughs) I can't wait to get back over and sit down with that bottle of whiskey and chat through a a number of different stories. Likewise. I guess one final throw out to yourselves. Is there anything you'd like to ask us? You you wanted to check check in with us on? I'd like to know what kind of beer you guys are drinking. (laughs) That's an important question. So um, I think this is vaguely relevant as well. So this is... um, Camden Town Brewery, Camden Hills Lager. So did we not drink Camden Town Brewery beer when we went to the, the London series with the Red Sox and the Yankees? Yes. Yes, yeah. I think we did. Oh, was that when it was over in, in UK? Yeah, so we went down there. So that's what I'm that's what I'm on tonight. Uh it's been quite enjoyable. Okay. Two small cans and one is from the Orkney Islands. And the other one is a local brewery, and I don't know how they picked this name. I, I think I made this joke on a program last last week, but <laughs> it's called Yankee <laughs> Yankee Beer. So it's a local brewery in uh, in Harrogate, Rooster Brewing Company. But I think they maybe use American style hops. So. Okay, I I, sh- I should have got a Tiger beer for tonight. <laughs> that's that's good to know. Hey, it's been great talking to you guys too. I, I did a little bit, like I said, I gave did some homework. So are you all from Scotland? Is everyone from Scotland? Well, myself, that's from England originally, but I lived and worked most of my adult life in Scotland with these guys between 1981 and 2013. Okay. And then uh, recently I moved back down to Yorkshire, which is in the north of England. So it's, uh, obviously we keep in touch and hopefully oh, that's good. we'll be able to enjoy a beer in person maybe get over to detroit for a game if you ever do let me know i'm only about an hour and a half away sounds good that sounds great thanks so much dave really appreciate it all right richard thanks uh and to all the daves Uh, alan (laughs) thanks for thanks Uh, thank you for doing that i'll catch up with you soon thank you dave sounds good thanks Thanks, Dave. Dave. bye-bye take care good luck thank you